Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, John Duke, and we are just one week away, John, from Media Day, training camp, all the fun stuff, and I frankly have no idea what to talk about this week. I'm so excited for Media Day because I think we've exhausted the off-season topics. It's pretty much run its course. And our plan is to, thanks to, I guess, thanks, Stephen A., Max Kellerman, we have a little bit of Kyrie kind of conversation, a little hot take media attack that I guess we would ordinarily maybe just ignore. But we'll talk about that to kick off the show, and then maybe we just kind of do a rundown of the roster. What are the expectations? Is a guy going to hang on? Is it a potential roster cut at the end of training camp? Are they G League bound? G-League. we got to get used to that. So that's what will be kind of the take for the show this week. And then next week, we'll really have something to sink our teeth into. Ah, yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Arr, well, you know, we're sinking my teeth. I'm, sink, I'm sinking my teeth into that. Ah. Um, yeah, yeah, we're... This is, this is the dead time, folks. This is, this is dog days stuff right now, you know? This, everyone's, they're finishing up their, their trips to the Bermuda, well, not Bermuda, <laughs> uh, but they're, they're finishing up their trips abroad. They're trying to get back in the gym. Basically ever, everything after Labor Day is just a reacclimation to whatever the new life will be. And for a lot of the Celtics, this is their introduction really to Boston. All but four of the, of the guys on the team really are, are new to the, new to Boston, new to the area. We just saw Al Horford went on a duck boat ride for the first time with his family. So that's what this big stories are right hold now. Hold on, it's, hold on a second though. Yeah. Duck, duck boat rides are for winners. Okay. Well. Al Horford's a winner in my book. I don't, but not in that way. I'm not way. saying, I'm not, not saying, that way. No, no, no. I just, <laughs> listen, dude, I we, we could go I to know. Stephen A and Max Kellerman and their hot takes, but how about that hot take? Well, Duck boat rides are for guys who have brought home banners, look, dude. That's look, how that works. I, you know, but look, you've been to Boston. We've all been there. We live, you know, some of us live there. They're tourists every day going on those those damn duck boats all over the place. They're getting on the Museum of Science. They've already gotten their pastry at Mike's. All right. Tourists is one thing, dude. We're talking about an ad. No. No. Duck boat rides. You don't get on one until you bring home a banner. That's just oh the way God. it is. I know what you're saying. I'm just, and I'm not listen, trying to get, like, no, crazy, crazy about it. But I'm just saying, you know what? <laughs> Do not use that mode of transportation Man. unless you want to. And, and it's not a mode of transportation. It's a mode of celebration. But, okay. Guys like Gronk take their shirt off. That's what happens. You parade through the streets of Boston and you celebrate victory. That's what the duck boats are for. As a matter of fact, I'm amazed they hang on outside of sports jubilation because they're really, well, whatever. I don't want to get crazy with it. I'm just, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. But then there's this like little bit of like spoofiness to me where I'm like, yeah, uh, but they kind of they kind of are made for like celebration of the winning. I you know, it's sacred. It's, I don't know. No. 
No, it's not. I mean, I know the whole thing there. Don't touch the trophy. Don't, you know, don't presume winning. Those, those types of insane things that we, that go through an athlete's mind, I completely buy into. But a duck boat? I mean, really. A duck boat? I mean, I know in Boston, the duck boat is synonymous with championships and winning and, and all of that. I, I hear what you're saying. I, we I literally that. just started the show but, unintentionally come on. with a duck boat debate. <laughs> I can't That's, that's how bad we need media day. Right there. Just That is it. Frame it. <laughs> I need media day. Oh, it's brutal. This is the last oh. week. This is like right before Christmas. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not Christmas Eve, right? It's no. like that. It's the weekend before Christmas. You're still in school. You don't get to, you know, you still have to get up in the morning. You're not relaxing. You're not opening a present tonight. No. You got to hang on just a little bit longer. It's that time of year when teachers just absolutely dread their students coming in because they know they just can't take it anymore. Santa is coming to town, baby. And that's where we're at right now. I'm like, I want my Santa. What? what are you talking about? The analogy. This is, okay. It's a great analogy. Hear this, see this. This is the analogy right here. Oh, we're flying along all of a sudden. Oh, crash. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? This is Santa and Obrey. Yeah, don't you know anything about the last oh. week before Christmas? The kids go bananas at school. Yes. They're completely yes. unmanageable. That's yes. what's happened to this show right now. This oh, show's man. completely unmanageable. <laughs> This is gold. Last week it was gold. downtown Julie Brown. That was Mis- good. The A team, Mr. T, the van. That was great. Shouts to the CLNS media folks. This week it's Santa Claus is coming to town and the duck boats <laughs> are sacred. <laughs> no. No, they're not. We've sacred. already lost to everybody. Oh, We've God, already yeah. lost everybody. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's let's just hit Kyrie Irving and the reel way it reel it back. We'll talk about the Celtics. I really need next week to come around. I, I I'm sure yeah, there are plenty of listeners who are feeling the same way, but I I will <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not about the dog boats, and definitely not. Well, whatever. So all I'm going to say I, is, yeah, Kyrie Irving, like yeah. Brave to go on ESPN and what's the name of the show? Hot takes. First take. Yeah. Hot takes. Might as well be. Come on, they know what they are. And, First take, hot take. Yeah. Right. And the way that they baited it, but the the Max Kellerman getting involved in the NBA stuff has always killed me. So like, this is a boxing analyst who is now like, okay, hold on a second, Kyrie. <laughs> Let's talk turkey. Okay, my serious face. Guys in boxing have serious faces. Tell me. Tell me. You hate LeBron James with every part of your visceral gut, correct? It's just ridiculous, dude. Oh, yeah. Nutty. It's nutty because, like, I mean, look, we all know Stephen A. We know what Stephen A. does. He's 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 got that corner. And when you're in a conversation in a, I guess, a three-way panel show like that, and you're the more ridiculous 
sitting across from Stephen A. I guess you know, presumably not sitting across. He didn't even he have did? to well, man up. He didn't even have to see at the beginning of that interview. Stephen A. Up. gives Kyrie. No, just listen though. Just listen. At the beginning of the interview, Stephen A. like sets it all up like we're cool, right, Kyrie? And he gives him right. like a cool handshake, and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, Max Kellerman's on the show because five minutes in, in comes the little box, and he's like, I'm Max Kellerman. I ask the serious questions here. And it's like the whole thing changes. And I know, like, Stephen A., even when he asked the hard questions, and these are le- – I am going to say this. They're legit questions. They're just not legit questions in today's sporting world. You're not going to get that answer. That answer is never coming to you guys, and definitely not from Kyrie Irving, who has clearly been coached up for the last four months leading up to said interview. I mean – Obviously, he had already talked to people, and it leaked out, and it kind of came out, you know, underground a little bit. But, you know, you're not ever going to get Kyrie Irving on a quote, and definitely not in a face-to-face interview on ESPN to go, yeah, no, I pretty much hate LeBron, and that's why I left. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's almost like the whole thing is created so guys like you and I will just blast him for it. Well, it's... If they coached him up, they didn't. I don't know what that is. I mean, it, it was a continuation of the press conference in Boston where word he really talked about his own reality and all this. It's like I don't even understand what he's talking about. It just doesn't even make any sense. But there was a section at the beginning where he really does dial into exactly why he's he decided to get out of there. And it's that one, he didn't feel challenged. He wanted to be in an environment that challenged him and pushed him to be great. That's the bottom line. You can draw from that whatever you want. I suppose if I'm Ty Lu, I'm not feeling great about that. If I'm that dance, is what I know, took from it more than LeBron James. They kept pounding on LeBron, but when he listed the teams that he was interested in going to, they were all teams with good coaching. And I think it had a lot more to do with culture and coaching. And it was clear, especially with David Griffin going to the wayside, like that was a that is a franchise in transition. Everybody knows it. Rumors leaked with LeBron leaving. I think Kyrie just said, "I'd rather control my own destiny than have LeBron leave me behind." After he came in and stole my thunder, but I actually don't think it's personal to LeBron. I think they want it to be so that they can manufacture some drama in the Eastern Conference where there's already going to be a competitive battle in the postseason. I mean, with besides like. Take injuries out of the equation. You're probably going to see Boston and Cleveland. It's not a guarantee, but the odds are on that. So the more they can manufacture some drama between Kyrie and LeBron, the better. But I actually think it has a lot more to do with the front office and the coaching. It does. I mean, this is a reason why they've had three general managers in six years or nine years. They've had, you know, certainly Blatt and um, <laughs> obviously Ty Lue now. They can't get a handle on what's going on there. And that's the way that Dan wants it. Cavs Dan, Comic Sans Dan, that's what he wants. He wants this upheaval. He thinks that's the way you run a franchise. Yet they, all they've got to show for it's one championship. Despite a whole bunch of seasons of 60 wins from the time LeBron came to the scene in 2003 until now. In 14 years, admittedly, he's got some time in Miami. But in that time... They've got one championship to speak for, and they've got pretty much throughout that time, I'd say seven, well, 
let's say a decade at least of having the best player in the world on his franchise, and he doesn't be able to put it together. I think you have to look right at the top. And I think that's what Kyrie Irving did. He said, look at this situation. I, I am on the precipice of a complete and utter collapse of what will happen here 12 months from now. He knew it was going to happen. He knew LeBron's going to walk away. He knew it's going to be him and Kevin Love, and they're trying to boot Kevin Love out the door. You know Love's going to be gone the moment that LeBron's gone, and it's just going to be Kyrie sitting there wondering what to do with a whole bunch of contracts and nowhere to rebuild. It was, you know, over. it was a terrible All- situation for them no matter what happened. And so he, 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 he jumped first. And there's nothing wrong with him saying that. I don't know why he won't say that. I think that's what's going on here. And the fact that anyone can criticize his character when we're sitting here 12 months from LeBron James walking out the door away from him coming home and walking out to L.A. is completely and utterly ludicrous. Yeah, all right. We're going to come back to that. Just a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. The YouTube channel, it's heating up. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report with Jared Weiss, Mike, well, Trags, uh, Jimmy Toscano. We got the round table with our boy Sam Sheehan. So just lots of content on the YouTube channel. John and I get a little five or six minute snippet that goes on there. Last time, a That's little all special appearance from A team. That's true. That's they can't true. handle more than that. They're like, and- we need a little less John and Justin. It's too much. The the, the servers are burning up. The- <laughs> <laughs> the duck boats are burning up. We need to <laughs> light them up. This show is off the rails. Just bomb it. It's too hot. Too hot. Too so, hot. To, because it will sweat. Well, well, well. <laughs> I don't even know how to transition back in. This no whole thing, this There's thing no is, is de- <laughs> see, this is what happens the week the before Christmas. I'm telling you, this is what it is. This is what it is. Steer so listen, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I am. I'm going to steer into the skid with the sleigh, and I'm just telling you right now, <laughs> Christmas again. <laughs> see, there it is. Uh, uh, yeah. so. So anyway, LeBron. Yeah, where you go? I don't know. Yeah, LeBron's going to LA. We already know that. Um, but Kyrie definitely did need to control his destiny. I want to go back to the interview and sort of the 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 ex- what you said that being an extension of the press conference. I mean, talk about just dodgy wording, right? Like, like they literally ask a question and then he just. Like pulls out the flat earth map and goes in like whatever direction he wants to go in. And I'm not even sure he's ever coming back to the point. What do you think about Kyrie in general? Like you realize that he's going to be under this line of questioning for the foreseeable future. And it's not ultimately going to put him in a positive light, right? Like the teeth are going to be gnashing for his credibility. 
it's interesting because I, I certainly we know what's happened in the past with the Boston media treating superstars who have not maybe Dan been Price? as well, Rajon Rondo. I mean, I think that were, you know, who are combative, who push back, who don't exactly play the game. Kyrie is, I've never seen anything like what we're seeing from Kyrie. This is almost like Bill Spaceman Lee type territory, you know, where, or Manny being Manny stuff, although Manny didn't get a good reputation, certainly here. He sounds more intelligent than Manny. Like Manny was sort of a caricature of himself on purpose, right? right? But it's, it's but so, this is not that. This what does is it mean? I, I, what does it all yeah. mean? You know, it's like I gotta go find my so you know my psychology three forty uh, uh, you know textbooks from college and figure out what the heck he's saying. Like, what, what is this? My reality? What are we talking about here? I, mean, I, I don't understand what he's talking about half the time. Like. We're, they're sports writers. They, they're not into it for this. this. They didn't sign up for this. They, the fact they're even doing analytics at this point is like, we should be happy with that. Now we're going to have them jump down a wormhole of trying to figure out, you know, blue pill, red pill. Like, I don't even know what's going on half the time he's talking. Maybe it just means they'll ignore him. I'm more, I just want to make sure that he's a good leader in the locker room. I want to make sure he's leading these guys on the floor. If that's happening and, and they're, they're, they're jiving with him. It works. But if, if the type of response we saw today is what we see in, you know, kind of manifest itself in the chemistry on the court, then there's probably more for more reason for concern. So let me ask you something. The Boston Celtics, in your estimation, control what shows he goes on. Wouldn't you think like the media relations no. says, so you think they had, they had no say in whether or not he went on the first hot take. I don't think he asked the first hot take. I don't think they asked. I think Kyrie, I mean, look, this is, he's in a, he's in a movie. He's in the Uncle Drew movie. He has a, a stature, which is something unlike we've ever seen in Boston. He, the guy sells shoes like no other Celtic has ever sold shoes. They'll go around the playgrounds. There are kids wearing his shoes all over the place. His icon status is, it's Katie, LeBron, and in terms of a saleable product, Kyrie is probably third after those guys. And that makes an impact. And his, so his, his stature is really up there in the NBA marketplace. I don't think he, I don't think the team sets that up. Maybe for guys like Pierce and Garnett. But don't you think they have Rondo. to sign yeah. off on <laughs> it? Or don't you think no. there's like a discussion no. there? So you think no. if we called up, let me, so let me, Okay, sure. I don't think we can call now, up. I'm, I'm just saying, my best friend went to high school with Kyrie Irving, right? Who knows? I'm just saying. Sure. If he wants sure. to come on our show, knowing he's only going to get asked, like, fan-loving questions, not, you know, these pointed, ridiculous questions that we, everybody knows he's not going to answer, right? But we were like, so Kyrie, tell me how awesome Boston is. Like, we could do that yeah. kind of an interview, right? Yeah. Chris Farley show. You don't think Absolutely. that the Celtics have to kind of say, yeah, that's okay or no. You don't, you don't think they have any say in that whatsoever. Cause I think, cause no. me personally, I think they have some. I don't know how much. I would think that Kyrie and, and I would also think based on the relationship of a large network like ESPN that there are relationships between the media, Celtics media office yeah. 
and and ESPN where they know this is coming. Like it's sure. not like Danny Ainge sat down for coffee today and went, "What?" You know, "Oh no, Stephen A, Max Kellerman, what's happening?" <laughs> There's no, you know, I have a feeling that they knew that this was going to happen. And my point is is like it's almost amazing that they would let him go on. And I was actually going to bring that argument full circle, except you already took it there. You're talking about how marketable he is. This may be one of those scenarios where anything in the limelight is good in the limelight, right? As long as Kyrie doesn't lose his top, it doesn't matter what he says. Content in this scenario is not king, right? He just needs to have his face. They need to ask the hard questions so that it just keeps climbing up the watch meter. And at the end of the day, it's great for marketing him and especially marketing him for this season. And you talk about, so this was, that was really going to be my question is, I think the Celtics did know. I think they did have to approve. And I think they feel confident. Here's the thing. You know, he goes completely off the map and starts to seem to not make any sense, but he sounds super, super professional and super intelligent. Even yeah, though absolutely. what he's saying is not there, yeah. like if you really yeah. listen to the words, you might yeah. backtrack on that. But yeah. take the words, make them meaningless. Just look at his expression, look at his demeanor, and you know he even misuses some big words. But most people just that eh, whatever. And and he sounds professional and he sounds intelligent. And so as long as he keeps doing that, it, it doesn't really matter what show he goes on, right? Because it's all good for marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think it's different in season. I think in the middle of the season, maybe the Celtics do have more control of his time and where, how he spends his time. But I think in the, in the off season, the team pretty much lets them do as they wish. Now, could there be a scenario where he says, hey, just so you know, Jeff Twist, I'm going to be on first take today. I think that happens. I think that there's certainly maybe some communication about that. But I just don't think, as I said, I think Kyrie's different than what we've seen from anyone else here in Boston. Uh, and, and he's somebody who's going to establish his own profile and take ownership of his own image. And I think he, that's part of the reason why he wanted out of Cleveland is that, you know, he didn't want to be in someone's shadow. He can say he wanted this reality and this and that, but I think what I believe is that he wanted, he didn't want to be his future dictated by someone else's. He was a player of a high enough stature. He had earned more than that. And to see LeBron kind of steamroll over that once again, like we saw in the press conference, his comment to Gordon Hayward, Oh, you know, well, you know, LeBron, you know, took care of that and, and their potential of teaming up in Cleveland. I don't think, you know, Kyrie wants that. I think he wants to be able to be the guy and have his team and, and have, uh, be pushed by a coach and be nurtured. And I think that that's exactly what he's looking for. I don't think that going on first take, for example, indicates any sort of difference with that or sends him in a different direction. I think what it probably does more than anything is just reaffirm what we already heard here in Boston and what we heard, you know, with the Celtics, uh, you know, at the Celtics press conference. So I don't think there's a tie there. I think if anything, what I would say more likely than not is that this is an opportunity for Kyrie to just try to clear the air before training camp. Now, maybe you could say that he's told the team told him to do that. I just, I think he's trying to maybe move on, but he didn't answer the questions in a way that would allow the media to move on. 
because they're going to dog him until he goes to Cleveland that first night. Maybe the best thing in the world is to get that first game out of the way because, quite frankly, the questions will start to diminish because they've already had that matchup, and it's now it's more in the back of people's minds in, in terms of rather than being in the front of it, which it certainly would be until they played in Cleveland. Yeah, I think that's still in a no-win scenario. I think that narrative plays out forever. At least as long as LeBron's in Cleveland, which appears to be only one more season most likely. But I think it plays out all year long. I don't think there's anything about that first game that puts that one to rest whatsoever. I think it ends up just making it worse. It, that's cause, because I think that's what they want. That's what's going to put people in the stands in the postseason. That's what's going to, you know, sell the tickets. And you know that that series is going to go to seven games. Like we can almost script this year entirely out. But before we do that, because we have all year to do that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to tell you about FanDuel. When we come back, we're going to break down the roster in the second half of the show just to set some expectations for each player. We've talked a little bit in the past few weeks about, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, where we think they slot in the rotation, but maybe, maybe some goals for each player for this season. But Fantasy football fans, the wait is over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back with fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests begin every single week. There's no busted seasons, which is important to me. I love FanDuel for that. With something for everyone and lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1, you simply pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. We've gotten an enormous amount of support for our Celtic Stuff Live listener league. Really amazing. Just go to FanDuel.com slash leagues slash CSL17. We fill up in about a day and a half, two days, no more than 72 hours so far this year. And I just checked, and we already have 85 people signed up for our 250-person league. So it does fill up quick. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. So sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our code CSL17. Try FanDuel for free. There's no deposit required. You just visit FanDuel.com, claim your free contest, and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using promo code CSL17. That's FanDuel.com, promo code CSL17. 17 void where prohibited so john let's just run down the roster and the way we're going to do this is really simple not complex um i'd be lying if i said i put a lot of thought into this in preparation for the show because i haven't but i've got the celtics website up right now i have the players that are listed on the screen we're just going to go left to right you and i can decide if it's worth putting in you know a lot of time talking about said player or not and the first one on the list, Kadeem Allen. I think you and I both would assume this is a G League candidate. Absolutely. Yeah, well, he's, he signed the two-way deal. So he inevitably will be playing a lot of time up in up in Portland um, or from where I am <laughs> down in Portland. Um, and I don't think we really saw a lot of what he could do, or I hope we didn't see a lot of what he could do. Uh, he was not the point guard candidate. I hope he would be. Um, and so we'll see what he can do in Portland. He, you know, I think Demetrius Jackson showed quite a bit more last year in not only in summer league, but also during the year in Portland. 
let's see if, if Kadeem can kind of show some of that defensive prowess, which, you know, I think the comparison was to Tony Allen. Um, you know, you'd hope he could become that type of player. We'll see. And he's going to be doing it probably in Portland. Yeah, most definitely. I think we can move on to the next player, Aaron Baines. So Aaron arrives from Detroit. He's uh, basically an Amir Johnson replacement. Very similar kind of player will be at the right spot on the floor. Amir Johnson once definitely a better athlete than Aaron Baines, but the Amir Johnson, I think that the Celtics got hampered by plantar fasciitis, had spurts of pretty solid athleticism, but for the most part, Going to be a solid team defender. Might get some rebounding out of Baines. Definitely a solid mid-range game that Amir Johnson didn't have. So they're not identical. But I think their purpose on the team and the roster and the way that uh, Brad Stevens will utilize Baines will very much mirror Amir Johnson. The big debate really boils down to whether or not people think that he's going to find his way into the starting lineup. I've certainly waffled on that. I can see that to begin the year, but I think over the long haul, it'll likely be Morris in the starting lineup or they'll get really small. Yeah. I think, you know, we've heard enough probably at this point, it seems like that they're going to try to go with Horford to start and we'll see where it goes. You know, um, you want to go to the next one? Let's, you well, are, do you want now to the next? Oh, so you pulled yeah. it up. You already know who's coming. It's my yeah. man, Jalen Brown, ahead. Ahead. your starting shooting guard for the Boston Celtics in 2017 and 2018. No, I really do think he'll start. Um, he played well with the starting unit, and I know it's a very different unit this season, but he played well with that starting unit last year in Avery Bradley's absence. He's got the range, and once again, we really beat this one to death last week, but Marcus Smart, I just think they need him on the bench until the close of games. I'm not sure Jalen Brown finishes games in the lineup, but I I think it's probably going to be Marcus Smart's uh, position just because he's a closer. And we talked about that last week, but ultimately Jalen's had a chance to have a full offseason knowing what it's like to play in the NBA. However, he is still young. He's got incredible athleticism, and he is a guy that can live at the line. And I think – when they need to manufacture some some offense, that he will still do some of those crazy moves, maybe somewhat ill-advised drives to the rim, but in that starting lineup, you can live with that. And as and and he also is a player that'll contribute without needing the ball in his hands. But when he gets the ball, he doesn't he doesn't really eat up the clock or the shot clock. He pretty much goes to the line or makes maybe the slightly boneheaded play and learns something from it. And for the most part, it's that corner three. It's a little bit of rangy defense. And the reason I was making a call for him last year was because I wanted him to line up against DeMar DeRozan. I don't think we ever really did get to see that matchup because of DeRozan's injury with those two games in the second half of the season that they were slated to play the Raptors. So Jalen Brown's a guy I definitely obvious. It's well documented on this show. He's my favorite. And uh, I do think he's in the I, I do think he's in the starting lineup. I think ordinarily, if they had somebody who could truly dictate the offense on the second unit, though, he would lose that spot to Marcus Smart. Yeah, I think Jalen stands a good chance to to make a good leap this summer uh, or this year after a good summer. Uh, I'm not yet convinced that he's going to be able to earn a lot of minutes, um, which I think he's capable of. The main thing that he we need to see out of him is 
keeping hold of the ball, not turning it over, not making the dumb mistakes. Uh, there's just, for whatever reason, he has that uh, in him right now. And that's something that I think Brad Stevens is going to give the quick hook on. Last year might have been more on the defensive end. I think this year maybe it might be more on the offensive end because there are so many offensive talented players that he's going to share the court with. They can't afford him to make you know, dumb mistakes that are going to take the ball out of uh, the opportunity for Gordon Hayward to finish at the rim or, or, or Kyrie to get a catch and shoot jumper. They can't afford Jalen Brown to, to kind of bollocks away, you know, offensive possessions like that. So they I think that's where the effort's going to be in for him. Yeah. The quick hook is definitely there because they can bring in smart and just initiate the transition to the second unit quickly. They could bring in Terry Rozier, who would also mm-hmm. provide a spark defensively. We talked about that last week that there might even be a shot where Terry finds some extended time in that starting shooting guard slot for that reason. Um, Gordon Hayward could always slide down to the two and Jason Tatum, if he's on a hot streak, could provide even more power packed offensive punch in that starting lineup. So it's it's not like a foregone conclusion, but I do think he starts that position, uh, starts in that shoot, starting uh, shooting guard slot at the beginning of the season. Now we can talk about Gordon Hayward. We just talked about him sliding from the three down to the two. His natural spots, the three, the team's a lot longer now thanks to Kyrie Irving and the trade. You know, that, that really lengthens them out. And if they do start Jalen Brown, just think about the size increase. You know, you're going from Isaiah Thomas to Kyrie Irving and then you're going from Avery Bradley to Jalen Brown. So even having Hayward, who maybe gives up some strength size to Crowder, he brings so much more to the table. And defensive versatility is still there with all the switching, etc. So this is a guy I know I'm excited for number 20 to put on his Boston Celtics uni and get out on the court on the – see, you like that? You like that? My man, number 20. Numerology. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. All I'm saying is, you know, yeah. I, I think sky's the limit. I, I'm not sure, though – and this has been a point of debate earlier in the off season, but it kind of went to the wayside because so many things happened. And I, maybe I need, maybe other people would want to revise it. But I, I said when the signing was finalized that I did not think that Gordon Hayward would increase his points per game average from last season because it felt like they were going to move the ball around. Now, since then, a lot of changes to this roster. Number one, Kyrie Irving comes in. So you could say, oh, no, he's definitely not going to increase his scoring average because Kyrie is now going to be such a go-to scorer. But that was kind of already the place with Isaiah Thomas. Now when I look at this roster and I look at the depth, now I'm thinking maybe they do rely on him to score more just because – Less players like Bradley, et cetera, to spread the ball around. Less veterans that would command the ball. Now maybe I think he does increase his points per game over average over last year. But, you know, before the Kyrie Irving, before all these moves, and before Avery Bradley got shipped out of town for, for Baines, um, I would have said no. But maybe I need to revise that now that this roster is a completely different one than constituted when they initially signed Hayward. I think to go there you have to – assume maybe that you don't get the leaps out of Brown and Tatum that you're hoping for, that Terry Rozier and Smart don't make that leap. You know, that's I think that's where the concern comes in because if if those guys aren't able to fill the voids left by Avery Bradley's departure, Kelly Olenek's departure, uh, without those role players, 
being part of the mix and you don't have the young players fill that void, it, the, the burden is going to fall on guys like Irving, Hayward, and, and Horford to make it happen. And I think you're right. It could very well be, and I would suspect early on in particular, that Hayward and, and Irving are going to be scoring a lot of points. And that may not be a good thing in the long run, but I think it may be necessary to get this team to at least January 1st in a decent position record-wise. All right, so with about eight minutes left in the show, we're going to have to pick up the pace a little bit. We're going to talk about <laughs> Al Horford. Maybe he increases his rebounding or his scoring. He won't have nope. to facilitate the nope. offense as much. You don't think so? Oh, just just because much. he's older. Hmm. Just as much, if not more, to be honest with you. I think Irving, as you said, Irving is 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 a similar player as IT. I think you're going to see Horford probably – take a larger role in the offense as a facilitator, high post passer, um, guy who can spread the floor. When you have, he's, he's sharing the floor with Jalen Brown and Marcus Morris, for example, or, or Marcus Smart. Um, probably the pose will be the largest, uh, guys who will be game minutes. He's going to be at the top of the key and finding cutters and finding people, uh, available off action. I think he's going to probably be in the same spot he was before, which I have no issue with whatsoever. We do still have somewhat of a deficient three ball shooting roster. I mean, we always talk about the rebounding, but when you really look at this, sure, Hayward and Hayward and Irving can shoot the three ball, but, and, and Horford has, but I wouldn't say you know, he's exactly the guy you're going to have take three or four a game on a regular basis. But, you know, Tatum's a mid-range guy, right? Marcus Morris is a mid-range guy. Not that we need to incorporate Baines, but he's a mid-range guy. Jalen Brown might be a corner guy, and Marcus Smart might be, for all intents and purposes, a corner three-point shooter. You might be right about that, but we, but maybe we do see Al Horford taking many more three-pointers for just that reason. It's possible. I think, I think it's, it's another, it's an outgrowth of the idea that some of these guys need to expand their role. Smart needs to expand his role to Rozier. They need to take, they're going to have to, they're going to have to take those three pointers. They're going to be, it's going to be their responsibility. You know, not documenting anything new here as we round out the new big three, but Kyrie Irving defense, really, that's the only thing we have, I think, to talk about as far as him meeting or exceeding expectations. We know what we have as far as gifted offensive player. In many ways, he'll resemble the same role as Isaiah Thomas, but defensively, do you think he can kick it up another gear, and do you think he will for Brad Stevens? There's no question that he has the capacity to be a much better defender. I mean, obviously a man of his intellect and skill and ability to uh, live in the present or whatever it is, the reality. I don't know what that means. But, yeah, I don't think that's a question. I think it's going to be up to him what he wants, to, what's their tone he wants to set all over the court, not just on one end. Um He's going to have that opportunity to hear. And I think Brad Stevens has already, as he did in the press conference, has already shown that's where he's looking for his effort. I, to me, the biggest question with Kyrie is going to be health, actually. Um, you know, he's never played 82 games, uh, 51, 59, 71, 75, 53, 72. Um, he's, he's missed, you know, at, at least seven games, um, in his, in his most healthy season. That's probably a bigger concern for me in that 
they need him. They're going to need him to win night after night. He's going to be the straw that stirs the drink. They're going to need someone of his caliber. And particularly a team that's so many young players playing with him, the burden will be heavy. And so if this is what he wanted, this is what he's going to get. The great thing about this roster, though, is there's definitely some pros who might not let down. And there could be an opportunity for them to spot some big leads that they're actually able to hold on to and manage some of the minutes of these players. We talk about it every year, but with so many young and hungry players and some scoring that we can get out of Tatum, we'll talk about him in a minute, they might be able to give the needed rest to help keep a player, said player, Kyrie Irving, a little bit more rested. I'd like to pass on Shane Larkin and say G League material or periphery on the roster, but the truth is, is here's a guy who might be able to initiate some offense and he would really be the guy that allows Marcus to go into the starting lineup. If, if Marcus is able to knock down the open shots, and as we talked about the last couple of shows when breaking smart down is just finding those spots on the floor. If Marcus can do that and Shane can get to a point where he's able to direct and lead that offense off the bench, you might see Marcus smart move into the starting lineup, not only to finish games, but to start games as well. I think that's absolutely true, and I think he's also Terry Rozier insurance. If Rozier can't figure out in his, you know, can't find that stability that we thought he was going to bring last year, but did in the playoffs, then I think Larkin could get some of that time. All right. In the interest of time, we have Marcus Morris. I think we kind of know what to expect from this guy. Um, and then we have several other players that we need to hit, but we've only got three minutes. So your quick thoughts on Marcus Morris. <laughs> Marcus Morris, uh, spread the floor. He has a high bar to set to meet what Kelly Olenek did, and that's going to be harder than people realize. All right. Abdel Nader and Semi Ujule. Uh, I'm kind of feeling like maybe they alternate some spot minutes, but the truth is most likely only one of these guys is really going to land any kind of regular minutes in the rotation. And if you're going to have a sleeper pick for surprise player of the year, I think it's got to be, I should have said Shemi. And I think Nader, as much as, you know, everybody is kind of behind the guy. I, I really don't think he winds up taking on much of a prominent role this season. Had a tough summer. I think Ujale is the guy. Uh, combat muscles for life. And that's the guy right there. Former, another Duke player coming yeah, at you. There you go. You love the Duke guys. Since we it. spent so much time talking about Rozier and Smart last year, let's close this conversation on your favorite Duke player, at least right now, uh, Jason Tatum. Big time pick. Yeah, yeah. You know I got high on him in January of last year, mostly because of that high release on his shot. That's really yeah. what had me intrigued. I felt like this is a guy who's going to get a shot off against anybody in the NBA. By the looks from Summer League, that's going to be true. I think he's a top eight rotation player this season easily, and I think it's because the Celtics want it that way. They have enough star power that they can take guys like Brown and Tatum and give them substantial minutes and groom them for the future. Yes, but I think Tatum is also going to be someone who has going to have to earn his time and can lose it easily. And guys like Ujale or Nader, Morris, Tice, Yavaselli, I think those are all guys that could end up getting time because Tatum doesn't show the effort on defensive end, misses rotations, things like that. Uh, I love Tatum. I think he could be a real performer for this team this season. 
but he's not going to play 82 games in, in the same role. I'd be shocked if that happened. Yeah. And you mentioned Tice, and we've run out of time, but I think Tice is – I've seen a lot of video. People seem mm-hmm. to think that he's a little bit of a sleeper. Celtics could definitely use – you know, maybe some of that athletic rebounding and banging in the low post, and he seems to finish pretty strong um, around the rim. We'll see how that translates to the NBA, but did pretty well for his team in, uh, what was it, EuroLeague this offseason? Yep, for Germany. Yeah, he did really well. Uh, looked really good out there. Um, and, and he could be that kind of Chris Anderson, Birdman type that that they could use. I Honestly, to me, it's all about Yabuselli. I love Tice, but Yabuselli, love Yabu. I'm, I'm, I am all here for the Yabu experience. This is going to be great. This is this. I have been looking forward to this for a year, and Yabu in a Celtics uniform is going to be a complete joy. All right, there you go. That's the sleeper pick. It's not Shemi. It's Yabu. What a couple Yabu. of great names to battle for minutes. That's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show and a quick reminder that today's show was brought to you by FanDuel. Join our listener league, fanduel.com slash league slash CS. CSL 17 and they've got a great deal for all of you listeners but most importantly you'd be supporting our show and the entire CLS Media Network. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media Nick Gelso and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to another edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.